Okay, I guess that means we'll get started. Um, it's 12 o'clock. Lynn had to have some um, a hospital procedure. That's why I'm here today on Saturday. So um, anyway, we're going to talk about the fear of redemption today. And I thought we'd start out with a prayer on page 28 of the text. I am here only to be truly helpful. I am here to represent him who sent me. I do not have to worry about what to say or what to do because he who sent me will direct me. I am content to be wherever he wishes, knowing he goes there with me. I will be healed as I let him teach me to heal. And now if we'll have a moment of silence and maybe just keep Lynn in our hearts and minds for a moment or two. Okay, first we will go to the chapter of Fear of Redemption, which is on page 242 of the text. I know for me... um, I always, you know, with, with ego, there's always so much self-hatred and self-blame, self-flagellation. And I remember what a relief it was to realize, especially listening to Ken a lot, was that the reason that I got angry, the reason I was jealous, the reason, you know, I would be so upset in any way was because of my fear of awakening. That was just, I I could forgive myself for that, where it was just so almost impossible, it seemed for me, to forgive myself for being a bad person, for being a mean person, you know, in ego's views. So chapter 242, the first paragraph of the fear of redemption. Everybody got that? Yeah. Okay. You may wonder why it is so crucial that you look upon your hatred and realize its full extent. You may also think that it would be easy enough for the Holy Spirit to show it to you and to dispel it without the need for you to raise it to your awareness yourself. Yet there is one more obstacle you have interposed between yourself and the atonement. We have said that no one will countenance fear if he recognizes it. Yet in your disordered state of mind, you are not afraid of fear. You do not like it but it is not your desire to attack that really frightens you. You are not seriously disturbed by your hostility. You keep it hidden because you are more afraid of what it covers. You could look even upon the ego's darkest cornerstone without fear. If you did not believe that without the ego, you would find yourself something you fear even more. Find within yourself something you fear even more. You are not really afraid of crucifixion. Your real terror is of redemption. Ken says about that, the extraordinary statement, your real terror is of redemption, is the heart of A Course in Miracles. It explains why we do what we do and why we have so much trouble with this course. It explains, too, the depth of the world's insanity. We are terrified of the oneness of God's love, whose reality means that we are nothing but illusory figures in a non-existent dream. And even though we're just dreaming and we made it all up, still we've made it into quite a frightening thing to think of disappearing into the heart of God. And even though, and, and, and then to be responsible for that, you know, uh, and the reason to be responsible for that too is because if we don't become responsible, then we remain a victim, a puppet on a string, the ego's puppet on a string. 
He pulls the, you know, ego, the ego part of our mind pulls the strings. But once we can become responsible, that's our way out. That's our ticket out. And um, Ken makes a statement yesterday that somebody quoted. If it is my decision to be crucified, I can reverse it. I'm not aware of my mind's faulty choice. There is no hope for meaningful choice. And that's if we don't become responsible. And, you know, it's not even about putting on um, our big girl pants or our big boy pants, you know, and thinking, grow up. Because that's what I was, you know, always saying to myself, just grow up. Well, that ain't got nothing to do with it, really. You know, it's, it's my freedom, you know, to take responsibility and be able to see that. Anybody uh, have anything to say, comment, questions? And if I don't see you when you got your hand raised, you know, just unmute and speak up. Well, you know, in the word victim, there's no Chris Jansen in that word. But there is a T-I-M in that word. So I tend to take this <laughs> stuff personally, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. <laughs> All right. Paragraph two. Under the ego's dark foundation is the memory of God. And it is of this that you are really afraid. For this memory would instantly restore you to your proper place. And it is this place that you have sought to leave. Your fear of attack is nothing compared to your fear of love. You would be willing to look even upon your savage wish to kill God's son if you did not believe that it saves you from love. For this wish caused the separation and you have protected it because you do not want the separation healed. You realize that by removing the dark cloud that obscures it, your love for your father would impel you to answer his call and leap into heaven. You believe that attack is salvation because it would prevent you from this. For still deeper than the ego's foundation and much stronger than it will ever be is your intense and burning love of God and his for you. This is what you really want to hide. Anybody got any comments on that? Yeah, Dale. Can, can you hear me now? Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Um, I, I'm having trouble with resisting God's love. I, I just don't feel that that's something I, I resist. Um, but Jesus is saying it's harder to do. It's harder to um, resist his love than accept it. Um, I, I just don't, um, to me, that makes no sense at all. Uh, I would, I'm welcoming it, at least consciously. I'm, I'm welcoming, me, welcoming it, and I should welcome it. So that's my question. I'm, yeah, and I understand that. And, you know, mm -hmm. and for I, all of us in the beginning, especially struggle with that. But then, you know, we wake up one morning and we're in pain in our back and we think, or, or in pain anywhere, or we're angry, we're just waking up to a bad day. Yeah. And we think, you know, oh, I just woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Well, that right there is a, is a message to us. That's good information to say, oh, I must have made the wrong decision. I must be afraid of God's love or I wouldn't be in pain. Because, oh. for example, in lesson 190, you don't really have to turn there, but... Um, let me see that where he says that how we are responsible. It is your thoughts alone that cause you pain. Nothing external to your mind can hurt or injure you in any way. There is no cause beyond yourself that can reach down and bring oppression. No one but yourself affects you. There is nothing in the world that has the power to make you ill or sad or weak or frail. And our, where it says in the very first sentence, it's our thoughts alone that causes pain. The unconscious thought is always, I'm afraid of God's love. Because the ego is resisting God's love in every moment. So anytime we're in pain, that's just, or, you know, angry or whatever. That's just a, that's the message to us. Because usually most of this is unconscious, you know. 
Yeah, you hit it on the head, Kathy, when you said pain, because that's been something that I've been dealing with lately, this lower back pain. And, and um, it's, it's, a, it's a new perspective, yet it's something that I've heard before in the course that by feeling the pain, you're resisting God's love. It's part of the ego attack system to uh, push away the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah, uh, to push away God's love. And that's when right then we can, and, and that's good information to have. So at that moment, then all we have to do is just look at it. We ask Jesus, Holy Spirit, you know, look at this with me. I must become, have become afraid of your love again, or I wouldn't be in pain. And uh, now just look at that with me and help me not to judge myself for it. Because, mm -hmm. you know, the forgiveness always starts with us. And forgiveness, as we've heard Lynn say so many times, forgiveness looks and waits and judges not. And to be very gentle and patient with ourselves. And, and from, from, that comes from one that has always had a very difficult time of trying to be patient and gentle with myself when I'd want to say, get it done, get her done. Right. <laughs> You know, but, but yeah, it takes time. And where he says, um, you know, uh, in the text, chapter 16, where he says, don't be afraid, you'll be hurled into reality. You know, time works with us very slowly, very gently, because we are so terrified of what we have made up that it just takes it very, we have to take it very, very slowly and very gently. And he says then that infinite patience produces immediate results. And there again, you know, it's just a process, one day at a time. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Dale. I think that uh, get her done is uh, the Georgia version of A Course in Miracles. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think Bruce had something then a raise. <laughs> okay, great. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, the, the first paragraph or two, reminded me of years ago before I started reading the course, uh, if anybody remembers uh, Richard Bach's uh, Illusions, Adventures of the Reluctant Messiah. <clears throat> There's a, at the beginning, the, the first chapter is these oil-stained pages of the Messiah's, uh, you know, account of, of uh, things. And anyway, he's talking about how this, this throng wouldn't leave him alone. And, and they kept asking, well, what's what, you know, tell us, tell us what to do, you know, what, you know, and, and finally he's, he says, he's addressing them and says, well, okay. Would you, do, you know what? Would you be willing to do what's ever required? And they they say, I'm paraphrasing, of course, because it's from memory. But you know, oh yeah, we'd be willing to suffer the tortures of hell itself if you know God commanded us to do that. And and then and then uh, and he says, well, what if God commanded you Himself to be happy? And then they were all dumbstruck. <laughs> it's like, no, Ooh. no, no, we we can't go there. But that's the fear <laughs> of redemption. I mean, because we know that beyond all the obstacles to peace that we've made is the, the real happiness, the sustainable happiness, not the world's version of happiness, but the sustainable happiness that, that we know is really our, our, our true destiny. But, uh, but, you know, but that's, there's the resistance, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. Thanks. You know, yeah. and it's insane, but it doesn't make us wrong or make us bad. I, I can handle, I can forgive myself for being insane, but it's hard for me to forgive myself for being mean <laughs> or just wrong. Anyway, or Reese, Thank you, uh, Bruce. Thank you. I like when Dale said, uh, me too. It's, I'm not aware of hating God or being afraid of God or anything. You know, it's like, it's, but it, I, I think it's like we're, it's the default mode. Just because we're human, it's a default mode. We're not aware of being human all the time. We don't think, oh, today I realize I'm human. It's something that's so deeply part of us as a collective being that we, well, we can't stand to look at it. That's what this whole course is about. If we even began to look at it, that's where we start projecting. We go, oh gosh, I can't handle that. I'm going to project it out there and blame somebody else. I'm going to look at my body's pain. I'm going to look at the world, the mess the world's in. You know, we cannot look at our rejection of God. So that's how I'm beginning to see it. Anything that I feel uncomfortable with, that is what my real fear of God is. That's how it helps me because I'm pretty much a beginner too. Thank you. Thank you, Aris. Abe? Yeah, you know, I think uh, we all want the love of God, but we also, most of us want other things a lot more than the love of God. 
and wanting the love of God is an all or nothing proposition. If you want something else, you don't want the love of God anymore. You want that something else. And I think that's our challenge is that we have all these other things that we want uh, unconsciously most of the time, but you know, we put on top of this desire for the love of God and bury it basically. Yes, thank you, Abe. You know, and then there again, though, that's that's where we can ask Jesus or Holy Spirit to please join us in looking at that. It's being, because I've heard Ken say so many times, it's being aware of what you're doing, and then you don't try and change it and fix it. You know, leave that up to Holy Spirit. You know, God is the strength in which I trust to forgive, to perceive truly, to see the truth of this, because, you know, ego is foolproof. However, the course says, and then it says, but it's not God proof. So that's why it's so important too to call on Holy Spirit. And of course, we all do anyway, but I'm really reminding myself. Uh, but anyway, um, what was I going to say about that? But I can remember uh, too. Um, oh, I know what I was going to say. This past year that's been, you know, uh, excruciatingly painful for me off and on. Um, you know, I, I, especially the first of last summer, spring when it started, you know, I'd, I'd be going, why am I in so much pain? Jesus, where are you? What is up? You know, just whining, whining away when, you know, I didn't want to realize that it was my own fear because at the time that was even too hard to accept. But this past year, I really have, because of all that, psychic pain, not physical pain, but psychic pain. Um, that it was my choice. And as Kim Watnick always tells us too, another reason we want the pain is because that will help to keep us rooted in the dream, in the world, rather than awakening and moving on over to God. Where does he say? Right here um, in his journey through the text in volume two, page 133. He says, I chose this, and because I did, I can undo my mistake and make the choice for the teacher of guiltlessness. That's where, again, he's saying to take responsibility is like our only way out. That's where our freedom lies. And then I can also remember one more little example. Uh, 1987, when I found the course, um, in March, then in December, I broke my ankle. And my left ankle, and that has caused problems even today. You know, it's got one leg shorter than the other. And then there again, it took me years and years and years to really realize that that right there was resistance. Um, and there was a quote by Eckhart Tolle. He says, it may look as if the situation is creating the suffering, but ultimately, this is not so. Your resistance is your fear of redemption is. Any questions, comments? It was, uh, we, and we were kind of talking about this last night, like we don't realize, we don't realize we're afraid of God. We think we're running into these meetings because we want to find God. We don't think we're afraid of him. I mean, everything about this section, especially those first two paragraphs, the first sentence in paragraph one, I might wonder why it's so crucial that I need to look upon my hatred. I'd be like, well, I don't, I hate a little bit. I don't hate it that much. You know, I mean, right there, all you know, like, right. I mean, it's just challenging all these just below the surface beliefs that he says we have, and we don't even think we have them. And so, I, I, I mean, I think Chris Jansen's talked about this, like layers of an onion where we're peeling things back. And as we peel it back, you know, the probably the inner layer is the fourth obstacle to peace. We're afraid of God. But we're so oblivious to that because we got all these other layers in between us and waking up to that. So that's why I think the process of forgiveness is so practical. We start at the top layer. I think you're the problem. You know, I, I think I'm, I'm upset for the reason I think. I, I think I know who, who's causing me pain or what's causing me pain, you know? And so we start with that layer. What if, what if I'm not upset for the reason I think? What if that's even possible? 
What if it's not because of what you're doing? What if I'm not in pain for the reason I think? So we just start with that because we're kind of aware of that. <laughs> we think we know why we're upset. We think we know why we're in pain. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you, Tim. All right, we'll go back to reading. Um, let's see. Uh, Lynn Altman, would you read paragraph three, please? And then if you have a comment, go for it. If you don't, that's okay, too. Sure, thanks. Thank you. In honesty, is it not harder for you to say I love you, I love than I hate? You're associ you associate love with weakness and hatred with strength. And your own real power seems to you as your real weakness. For you could not control your joyous response to the call of love if you heard it, and the whole world you thought you made would vanish. The Holy Spirit then seems to be attacking your fortress, for you would shut out God, and he does not will to be excluded. <laughs> it's just that is truly our salvation, and it's like, God, I don't think of that very often. It's just so nice to see that. It's like, no matter what I'm doing, no matter how terrible i think the layers of the onion are uh they're mine and they're inviolate you know and then to think that god doesn't even know about them and so you know what am i doing it's just, i i was thinking when you were talking there's a, a scene in the um the lord of the rings uh, trilogy where the old owner of the ring um is he's lost it and it's gone on and it's do it's on its journey and he he wants to see it one more time. It's like this old sense of power that he had. And there's a moment where he reaches to touch it and his face, Bill's face goes from this sort of cherubic countenance to like the most um, awful grimace of evil and hatred and ugliness that you could imagine. And I, I remember seeing that and thinking that's, that's what I think I am. That's how I think I that that's what's interposed between me and God. And that's real. And to, and to, and to realize that I have an investment, you know, when you were talking about how self-hatred, I have an investment in my self-hatred as an ego. And I, I feel like I'm just starting to, to realize as I penetrate those layers, there's a part of me that does find power in how much I can hate the people that are in opposition to me. And, um, you know, to just sort of really look at that confusion in my mind between strength and true strength and power and real power is, it's just such an amazing thing. And just to keep being patient with myself. Um, I don't know that idea of, you know, the, in the world, we seem so powerless. And so you, you're taught to grasp whatever you can to establish yourself. So there's so many messages you know, that, that seem really valid. And to turn that around and to realize that our strength comes from the light within is just what a turnaround that is. And, and that's why I come to these meetings is to remember that that's the turnaround that's going to make all the difference in the world. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, Lynn. Beautifully said. Anybody else? Okay. Judy, would you uh, please read uh, paragraph four for us, please? You have built your whole insane belief system because you think you would be helpless in God's presence and you would save yourself from his love because you think it would crush you into nothingness. You are afraid it would sweep you away from yourself and make you little because you believe that magnitude lies in defiance and that attack is grandeur. You think you have made a world God would destroy and by loving him, which you do, you would throw this world away, which you would. Therefore, you have used the world to cover your love and the deeper you go into the blackness of the ego's foundation, the closer you come to the love that is hidden there. And it is that, and it is this that frightens you. 
I, I don't have much to say that um, it just seems that that's our journey, certainly my journey. Um, I'm a little less frightened of being nothing than I used to be. So I feel like um, for me, um, that's more that's more apparent to me than it ever has been before. Um, and that's a source of grace of great peace. Yeah. Yeah. My bags are packed. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, Judy. I love that. <laughs> yeah, Stephen. Uh, yeah, I'm just really so pleased about the way Jesus does this. You know, uh, uh, you know, this is a, uh, you know, this this could be a, a little uh, put me in a little bit of a despondency, um, except that Jesus always does this. He he throws he throws some hope in here that I didn't expect to be coming, and it's it's for me it's just like uh, it's phenomenal. Uh, he says, "You have used the world to cover your love, and the deeper you go into the blackness of the ego's foundation, the closer you come to the love." that is hidden there. And it seems that I've gone so far into that blackness that I must be getting pretty close to the love part. I'm so, so glad about that. Thank you, this is great. <laughs> Gosh, thank y'all, this is great. Y'all just sharing some wonderful stuff. <laughs> and now I lost my thought of what I was gonna comment, but that happens too. Anyway, um, let's see, let's go on then. Maybe it'll come to me later. Bruce and, um, uh, Bruce and Dale have some. Oh, thank you. I, I just had a quick uh, comment on the, the Lord of the Rings metaphor of the ring. You know, it's about invisibility, but I think the course's, you know, translation would be mindlessness. You know, as, as, long, as long as we can keep any thought of redemption or forgiveness or, you know, what the course redefines as salvation out of our mind, um, you know, that my precious ring of invisibility keeps that identity out of my awareness right so thanks thank you bruce who is next i was i was going to say kathy that this uh this whole thing to me it's all about not wanting to admit we were wrong whatever it is and so all of that ego stuff is is part of our whole uh mo it's part of our way of thinking and uh so the, you know, the part about returning to love or going back to love, it's, it's a whole different dynamic than we're used to. So I think it's, our, our resistance is about, just like when we have an argument with somebody, we want to be right. You know, people that try to win wars, it's all about not wanting to be wrong, wanting to be right. And I think that's the same basic dynamic that's going on. What do, you, what do you guys think? Yeah, definitely, mm -hmm. you know. But there again, for me, it's always been, you know, uh, why do I want to be right? You know, it's not because I want to be a smart aleck or, you know, mm -hmm. but it's because I'm frightened. Because there again, for me, I can, all, I can forgive myself or anybody else for being frightened. But it's always been hard for me to forgive that I was just trying to be mean or somebody else was just trying to be mean to me. Was there somebody else that I didn't see now? I've only got one page on my iPad here. Okay, Abe? Yeah, you know, going back to this idea of war, I think the other thing that's happening is that uh, it mentioned in an earlier paragraph that we have this association between love and weakness. And we think that attack is strength. So uh, in, in war, we, we use, when we want to win, we use what we think make us the strongest, which is attack. Uh, but the course is saying we have it upside down uh, and not attacking and loving is really our strength. Yeah, thank you, Abe. Well, since you're unmuted, Abe, would you go ahead and read paragraph six for us, please? Okay. Thank you. So is, is, or is it number five? Number five, I'm number sorry. Number five, yeah, right. You can't Chris, I don't want to forget you either. Uh, you want to speak first and then we read? 
Okay. Okay. Sorry. That was just my knee-jerk thing of saying chapter five. <laughs> oh, okay. Great. The, the beauty of being live. Paragraph yeah. five. Paragraph yeah. five. <laughs> okay, Abe. Sorry about that. No problem. You can't accept insanity because you made it, but you cannot accept love because you did not. You would rather be a slave of the crucifixion than a son of God in redemption. Your individual death seems more valuable than your living oneness. For what is given you is not so dear as what you made. You are more afraid of God than of the ego, and love cannot enter where it is not welcome. But hatred, but hatred can, for it enters of its own volition and cares not for yours. Yeah, so we, we, we just like the insanity we made a lot more because we made it. <laughs> yeah, because it feels safer. Yeah, right, right. It feels safer because that terror of non-existence, you know, I, I've never really been afraid of death, especially since I got really uh, entrenched in the course. You know, I, I realized that I would live, you know, forever, body or not, I would still be alive. But when I would have those terror attacks, and I, I'm, I'm a think, assuming everybody has, that uh, it was never fear of death. It was fear of non-existence. And that's what the ego is so terrified of, of non-existence. It's not our true self that is frightened, but the ego. Yeah, Reese. Yeah, that's been so interesting for me, too, because you think, no, People even want to die because they think, okay, in the old way, the world way, I'm going to then be somewhere else floating around as my individual self, you know, intermixing with all the people that died before me. That's what we have in our story. And so this whole idea of I'm just going to disappear as an individual being is becoming more real to me. And uh, yeah, I think that's where the fear is. Oh my gosh, I'm not going to exist as this familiar self that I am, this particular separate self. And that's what scares the hell out of me. <laughs> Amen, <laughs> sister. <laughs> okay, let's I was, see. Uh, I was trying to imagine Helen taking this stuff down for the first time and how she even got past one sentence, like paragraph five, sentence one, you can accept insanity because you can, you can accept insanity because you made it. Helen be like, I didn't make no insanity. What are you talking about, boy? <laughs> and then the next sentence, you would rather be a slave of the crucifixion than a son of God in redemption. Oh, stop, just stop. And then, and then he, he doesn't let up. Your individual death seems more valuable than your living oneness, says who, Jesus? <laughs> I mean, every sentence is like, it's a wonder she got any of this paragraph, much less the whole course. Because, I mean, it's like, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't do that. Oh, you are more afraid of God than of the ego. Who are you talking to? <laughs> I mean, really. Truly, it's no wonder she was in a state of anxiety all the time. And, and it was, you know, saying, you know, saying him. She wouldn't even admit that it was Jesus, you know. It's just always him or the voice. And, Yeah. I, I, I think that I would be too. Anyway, let's so see. I'm just having a little aha here too, because maybe that's why she did, never applied. Well, I won't say that never, but Jesus said, why don't you try practicing what you're writing? Not just what you're preaching, but, but now I'm thinking, well, if she had done that, it might've taken another 50 years to, <laughs> to complete the book. You know, she'd be working through all this stuff as like, well, I'm, that's, I'm kind of being facetious because certainly uh, Bill Thetford, I think he was working the course. But to me, her contribution was she could get it down. And maybe, you know, partly I feel like um, since she didn't seem to really apply it as much as in my judgmental mind and I think other people's that she could have, it, it's okay that I don't always do that. I can just forgive myself for not uh, letting it sink deep into my uh, my own beingness. Yeah, because Ken Wabnick always says that that that's much more advanced than to than to fight yourself on it. Because when we fight ourselves on it, we're making it real. 
the dream real. You know, that's why he was always saying, don't fight yourself, don't fight yourself, don't fight yourself. And, um, and like with Helen, you know, he says in, in several, uh, I know from absence from Felicity of his book that he talks about how Helen was just so scared to practice it that she wouldn't. And at one point, Ken was even suggesting that maybe she should. And he was trying to point out some things to her. And she says, hey, this is my, my dream. Don't be, uh, don't be telling me what to do. In other words, don't push me. Don't push me. I'm scared enough. <laughs> okay, Judy. You know, whenever there's a discussion about Helen, especially when people are um, noticing her weaknesses, I get very defensive for Helen. It just comes up predictably all the time. And um, I guess it's because I have great love for her that she did the job. I think she loved Jesus um, so much that she could barely think about it. And the proof I want to offer for some of my defensiveness as if that would be possible because it isn't is, is her poetry. Her poetry more than anything is a, it talks about who I think she really was. Now, maybe she didn't know that, but who does really know that? Um, so the defense rests her case. Thank you for allowing me the time. Thank you, Judy, so much. <laughs> I wanted to add to that, Kathy, can I add? I was going to say thank you. I'm so grateful that, that Helen wasn't, you know, this total model of what we should be, too. Because the more I study this, the more I think, thank you, Helen. You're not saint. We don't call her Saint Helen. <laughs> and we don't say, oh, yeah, Helen followed the course, you know, and all this. And then, oh, my gosh, how am I going to get there? If she can, it really encourages me because that's exactly where I am, too. And I'm just not as honest as she was to say, no, I don't like this stuff. You know, she she was so honest. She's expressing what I feel a lot. And I just wanted to thank be, I'm very thankful for her and, and really feel her presence, too, as I study the course. Thank you. Thank you, Aurice. Yeah, uh, Jesus tells us. I'm sorry. Mount St. Helens blew up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it does say in the manual, despair not of your limitations, because it's uh, your function to overcome them and not to be without them. And he says, not, if you're going to help save people, you got to speak their language. So in a way, Helen was speaking our language, you know, by being afraid and showing that fear uh, in many, many ways. So um, let's see. I think we're paragraph six. Chris, would you uh, read that for us, if that's the correct paragraph? Yes, I will. And Thank I think you. it is. You must look upon your illusions and not keep them hidden because they do not rest on their own foundation. In concealment, they appear to do so, and thus they seem to be self-sustained. This is the fundamental illusion on which the others rest. For beneath them, and concealed as long as they are hidden, is the loving mind that thought it made them in anger. And in the pain, and the pain in this mind is so apparent when it is uncovered that its need of healing cannot be denied. Not all the tricks and games you offer, it can heal it. For here's the real crucifixion of God's son. Whew. Well, I, I just uh, remember the first time I was listening to Ken and he was talking about something like this paragraph about all the... Uh, if you just read something like if you just read what I just said or what Jesus just said about what condition you're in, you, you should be uh, scared to death. You should be shaking in your boots and uh, how terrifying it is if you really let that soak in. Um, and I wasn't doing all that, when I read it, but I, I think, you know, it's true. It's, it's kind of going back to, uh, uh, we're more afraid of uh, of love than uh, than uh, 
the ego. Because to me, the way I kind of look at it is a lot of the, it's more of a process. A lot of the time during the day, I'm not really feel, feeling the love, you know. And, and, a, and a good part of the day, I'm feeling just the opposite and pretty comfortable with it. There are times when I'm feeling the oneness and then, uh, then I kind of feel like after that, everything is better. It's like coming to these meetings and or just praying in the morning or doing just the lessons every day puts me in a state of mind or I put myself there that I do feel that, uh, that love. But um, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't last all day. It seems to go away fairly quick and I can come back there uh, as soon as I choose. It's, it's nice to know I'm responsible for how I feel because uh, it gives, feels like I have a little power there. I could ask Jesus for help all along the way, which is something I've just recently in the last week or so have uh, resolved to bring Jesus into my life more and more and call him Jesus, not the Holy Spirit, because I needed that personal touch. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, and where he says, you know, uh, not looking is the real crucifixion. Because just to stay there and stay there, it's just nothing but pain, 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 no, no way out, no, nothing. Okay, let's see. Dave Van Dyke, would you mind reading um, paragraph seven? Sure. And yet he is not crucified. Here is both his pain and his healing, for the Holy Spirit's vision is merciful and his remedy is quick. Do not hide suffering from his sight, but bring it gladly to him. Lay before his eternal sanity all your hurt and let him heal you. Do not leave any spot of pain hidden from his light and search your mind carefully for any thoughts you may fear to uncover. For he will heal every, every little thought you have kept to hurt you and cleanse it of its littleness, restoring it to the magnitude of God. I, I guess uh, my comment would be that um, in the times when I have really uh, brought my, you know, my pain or confusion or whatever to, to the Holy Spirit and really let go, then there's really a healing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> um, I, I guess that, and that, that shows me also that um, there's only a partial healing when I, it, it, it seems, seems to me, it, it, as far as my experience goes, a partial healing uh, <clears throat> when I'm only partially, you know, when I'm reluctant or, um, or, or af afraid to bring uh, the whole thing and, and let it go. Um, so that just, tells me that you know holy spirit does does um his his part of the the work when i let him so you know i i guess it's a trust thing yeah development of trust huh it, it is yeah. yeah thank you dave so much sure let's see What Ken has to say on, on uh, that paragraph, since this love is in our minds, we can understand even more clearly why the ego strives to keep us mindless and then blame the world for it. It does not want us to remember the right-minded love and the wrong-minded guilt that covers it. The guilt drives us out of our minds, literally and figuratively, into the body for protection. It is imperative to see that whenever we exercise attack thoughts or any thought of individuality or specialness, we do what Jesus describes in this section. All such thoughts keep us from God's love, which we must fight against because the pull for him is so strong, intense, and burning. Okay, Bruce, would you uh, read paragraph eight for us, please? Okay. Beneath all the grandiosity you hold so dear is your real call for help. 
For you call for love to your father as your father calls you to himself. In that place which you have hidden, you will, on, you will only to unite with the father in loving remembrance of him. You will find this place of truth as you see it in your brothers. For though they may deceive themselves, like you, they long for the grandeur that is in them. And perceiving it, you will welcome it, and it will be yours. For grandeur is the right of God's Son, and no illusions can satisfy him or save him from what he is. Only his love is real, and he will not be content only with and he, oh, he, and he will be content only with his reality. Yeah, because that's the only thing that's ever going to work for us. And we know that on some level that everything in the world that we've made up as a substitute in an attempt to you know, replace that um, is just not going to work. And that's why we're drawn inexorably to, to that place in our mind. And, uh, and then there's the, the practical step as, as always is, seeing it in everyone else uh, so that we remember that it's never left our own mind. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you, Bruce. Um, Stephen, would you read paragraph nine, please? Maybe go ahead and read nine and 10. I had a comment. Um, oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, line four, you will find this place of truth. I will find this place of truth as I see it in all my brothers. I was thinking that that kind of going into any interaction, whether I'm talking to somebody on an elevator, standing in a food line, talking with my partner, how often am I looking for that place of truth in somebody instead of just thinking anything else? Like, am I looking for the place of truth in everybody on the screen? Am I looking for the place of truth in you know, when I'm getting my car fixed or whatever it is I'm doing. Do I look for a place of truth in my car even? Is that even possible? Yeah, because yeah, like it's, like uh, Jesus says, of course, that even the tiniest grain of sand, you know, is part of God's son. Stephen, whenever you're ready. Paragraph nine. Yes, please. Save him from his illusions that you may accept the magnitude of your father in peace and joy, but exempt no one from your love or you will be hiding a dark place in your mind where the Holy Spirit is not welcome. And thus you will exempt yourself from his healing power for by not offering total love, you will not be healed completely. Healing must be as complete as fear. For love cannot enter where there is one spot of fear to mar its welcome. You who prefer separation to sanity cannot obtain it in your right mind. You were at peace until you asked for special favor. And God did not give it for the request was alien to him. And you could not ask this of a father who truly loved his son. Therefore, you made of him an unloving father, demanding of him what only such a father could give. And the peace of God's son was shattered, for he, is, he no longer understood his father. He feared what he had made, but still more did he fear his real father, having attacked his own glorious equality with him. Wow. I don't cry. I just tear up. And that's hap that's happening now. Um, I, this uh, this but exempt no one uh, from your love or you are hiding a dark place in your mind where the Holy Spirit is not welcome. Um, it hurts my heart to think that I don't welcome Holy Spirit on a regular basis. But that, that's the way it is almost all the time. Uh, but, it, you know, I, I have to look at this as this course as a symphony. And, you know, part of the symphony is, is what he says over here. Uh, deeper you go into the blackness of ego's foundation, the closer you come to the love that is hidden there. 
Jesus is telling me it's okay. Uh, it's really better than okay uh, because the worse the get, the worse it seems to get, the better it is. <laughs> you know, uh, the darker it is, the lighter it is. I often interchange uh, love and light because uh, um, uh, I'm in the absolute. I'm absolutely certain that there's light and love and extension and expansion of that. And that's all there is. That's the first part. The second thing is I have this father thing. I don't do the father hardly at all because of my in the world relationship um, with my, you know, small left father. Uh, and, you know, that's just a way to keep me separate. That's just a way to, uh, you know, like I, I blamed him for everything till I was 45. And I, I suddenly realized, why am I, <laughs> you know, maybe I ought to take a little responsibility for what's going on here. Um, it, so it, uh, it, 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 it gives me this profound, this profound sadness to realize that I did all this to myself and I continue to do it. But today that sentence, the, the harder it gets, the better it gets. Oh, good golly. The darker it gets, the lighter it gets. <laughs> that just that just made my year, uh, you know. So uh, anyway, thanks for uh, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Good to see you. all Bye. Thank you, Stephen. That was beautiful. Maurice, would you like to read paragraph 11 or unless anybody else has something to say first? <clears throat> no, I guess not. In peace, he needed nothing. <clears throat> and asked for nothing. In war, he demanded everything and found nothing. For how could the gentleness of love respond to his demands, except by departing in peace and returning to the father? If the son did not wish to remain in peace, he could not remain at all. For a darkened mind cannot live in the light, and it must seek a place of darkness where it can believe it is where it is not. God did not allow this to happen, yet you demanded that it happen, and therefore believed that it was so. So we're, we're, we're going into this darkness too. I was so touched by that going deeper and deeper into darkness, but really it isn't, doesn't even exist, you know? It doesn't, you know, if we can say, well, I, I keep imagining that it is and, and that it's getting worse and worse and that it's, I'm a victim. But uh, all I have to do is ask for help, <clears throat> choose the light and let it all go because I can't do anything personally. It's gonna be, it's gonna be Holy Spirit, Jesus, to turn on the light. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Aris. Suki, would you like to read some? I'm sorry, Tim. Oh, I'm, I'm real bad at this part. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to uh, what Stephen was saying about, um, you know, dad stuff. Um, and, and I think in, in some ways, as we go through this process, certainly for me, I begin to wake up to how I'm resisting in, in ways that, once again, I don't even know I'm resisting. So, for example, for a long time in my morning meditation, I would say, Jesus, help me see each person on the screen the way you do. And I would go through each person. Um, Jesus, help me see my partner the way you see my partner. And then I started working on pets because pets were a big issue. Help me see our cat the way you see our cat. Um, and then and then it was a big turning point when I finally started asking, Jesus, help me see me the way you see me. Ooh. Yeah, that was a big one. And then the biggest one lately is Jesus helped me see our father the way you see our father. And that really, <laughs> look out. <laughs> look out when you do that. <laughs> yeah, right. Hmm. Thank you, Tim. Would you like to read, Suki? You're, you're muted, I, though, Suki. I, oh. There Got you it? go. Yeah, I'm just listening, overwhelmed, and I've been practice already. Have been my um, listening, and God is to me 
is in me not um, same as uh, I get concept by the father is I don't I can't connect with the father but God I connecting to with him the God is in me and then my mind and my <laughs> I was listening uh, the can you know my mind is also the brain attached to the brain so before I get into my brain, my mind to switch to a holy Holy Spirit. So, so now, right now I'm so close to trying to recognize about Jesus teaching. So I kind of uh, being Korean. <laughs> Jesus is another uh, like hard to comprehend before that Jesus is kind of like, you know, white man that uh, kind of created. Jesus is a spirit, like the uh, Holy, Holy Spirit. So I, let me, let me I, I should not, uh, could not do that. Um, I know uh, Jesus is also, uh, I, I don't think it as um, just white, you know, white man. <laughs> That can be a whole, whole being, and I can more relate to him. So I can uh, learn from him and his teaching. That's why I'm uh, learning that. And actually, I'm living with that practice every single day. I have a lot of opportunity. I have uh, ten people are living with me. My daughter-in-law, my son, my three grandchildren, mother-in-law, <laughs> including me, and. So I get a lot of every single day practice. I'm actually living it. So um, I can totally understand it, but I feel right now, I don't know how to get into book and I have a book. I don't know how to, where to find it, but in none of those matter. I'm thoroughly enjoying and just, I am just a blast. Just Thank so you, happy. Suki. Thank you, Suki, yes. so much. We're so glad you're here. Yes. Um, Lisa, would you like to read paragraph 12, please? To single out is to make alone and thus make lonely. God did not do this to you. Could he set you apart? knowing that your peace lies in his oneness. He denied you only your request for pain, for suffering is not of his creation. Having given you creation, he could not take it from you. He could but answer your insane request with the same answer that would abide with you in your insanity. And this he did, no one who hears his answer will give up insanity. No one who hears his answer but will give up insanity. For his answer is the reference point beyond illusions from which you can look back on them and see them as insane. But seek this place and you will find it, for love is in you and will lead you there. I'm just so glad. I don't have to do this by myself. I have the Holy Spirit. And there's this one part in chapter 14 that I wanted to read because it just, for me, I've been, you know, kind of tearing up this whole time because this is so beautiful, but I just wanted to read this one little section. It is only because you think that you can run some little part or deal with certain aspects of your life alone, that the guidance of the Holy Spirit is limited. Thus would you make him undependable and use this fancied undependability as an excuse for keeping certain dark lessons from him. And by so limiting the guidance that you could accept, you are unable to depend on miracles to answer all your problems for you. Anyway, I just, I just wanted to read that, thanks. Thank you so much, Lisa. That was beautiful. Um, let's see. Uh, David Dempsey, you want to read the first paragraph of the next one? 
of yes. uh, Section 4, mm -hmm. and that the will probably be the last paragraph we read, yeah. Okay, the function of time? Yes, please. And now the reason why you are afraid of this course should be apparent. For this is a course on love, because it is about you. You have been told that your function in this world is healing, and your function in heaven is creating. The ego teaches that your function on earth is destruction, and you have no function at heaven, all, at all in heaven. It would thus destroy you here and bury you here, leaving you no inheritance except the dust out of which it thinks you were made. As long as it is reasonably satisfied with you, as its reasoning goes, it offers you oblivion. When it becomes overtly savage, it offers you hell. Thank you so much. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> you, you know, for me, the most awakening moments are how I'm seeing how truly upside down my thinking is and that I just truly don't know anything. And it takes me back to that. I do not know the thing I am, where I am, what I'm doing, or how to look upon the world. I, it just becomes just more and more apparent how I'm completely upside down in my thinking. Um, and I, you know, I just go back to, you know, the crazy thinking that got me here isn't going to get me out. And that's why I do need the Holy Spirit, you know, and um, I need Jesus as my teacher to show me how, and what's happening is <laughs> I'm so happy I'm wrong. And that's the miracle, you know, um, is each time I get shown that I'm wrong, I'm so glad because on the other side of that is joy and peace. And that's pretty cool stuff, you know. And all I have to keep doing is just one forgiveness at a time, you know. Um, and hopefully at some point I'll start to take the specifics and start to generalize that, you know, it's it's just the one thing, you know. Um, but yeah, right now it's just one forgiveness at a time. And uh, it's great. But I, I definitely know at this point that um, I can't do this on my own. I've got to have that help. I've got to have that guidance. I've got to have that other teacher. And it's in me. Um, I just got to be afraid, not afraid to go to that place, that decision maker for help. You know? So thanks. Yeah. Thank you, David. Mm -hmm. Amen, brother. Um, we got a few minutes. Anybody wants to share anything before we uh, close out with our true identity? I'm moving to Georgia. Georgia is a holy place. Well, it's as hot as uh, hell today. <laughs> um, all right, let's see. Our closing prayer will go to page 425 in the workbook. Paragraph five. You will identify with what you think will make you safe. Whatever it may be, you will believe that it is one with you. Your safety lies in truth and not in lies. Love is your safety. Fear does not exist. Identify with love and you are safe. Identify with love and you are home. Identify with love and find yourself.
Thank you all so very much. This has been a wonderful meeting. I love you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks, Thanks all. Thank you Peace all. Thank you. Very good. Peace and love. Yeah. Thank you, Kathy. You betcha. Thank you. Bye.